What did the man say when he knocked over his bookshelf? Looks like I only have my shelf to blame. But I'm, I know, it's a terrible joke. But there's some truth there. The guy who knocks over the shelf wants to blame the shelf. That goes way back, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. As they realize they've really messed things up, Adam and Eve begin to try to shift the blame off of them. They first blame each other, and then they blame the serpent, and finally they blame God. The sad tale is told here in Genesis 3, starting with verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Didn't work well for Adam and Eve. Won't work for us either. The first Step in finding forgiveness for sin is confessing it, recognizing it, owning it, realizing I'm the one who has disobeyed God and the fault lies with me. We have to recognize who's to blame. We can't blame each other. Adam and Eve did the one thing that God told them not to do. They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Didn't turn out the way they thought. We've seen that over the last couple of weeks. The serpent had promised them if they would eat of this fruit, they would be like God. Instead, they just realized they didn't have any clothes on. So they tried to dress themselves with fig leaves, and that worked about as well as you might imagine it would have. But things get worse. As they complete their foliage ensemble, they hear God walking in the garden and realizing that something was very, very wrong to hide from him. This only proved that they were not going to become members of the Mensa Society. Trying to hide from the creator of the universe does not make any sense whatsoever. God obviously knew exactly what had happened. He knew what Adam and Eve had done. He sees everything. But he gives them an opportunity for grace, an opportunity to own what they had done, an opportunity to confess it to him and seek his forgiveness. Unfortunately, that's not what they do. In this passage, we see God and he calls out to them. He says, where are you? Now, God knew exactly where they were. It wasn't like they had hidden themselves so well that, you know, God couldn't see them there in that bush. God was giving them an opportunity. An opportunity to admit what they had done. An opportunity to to come clean. But that's not what they do. Adam tells God, well, well, well God, I, I was afraid because I'm naked. Likely he wasn't anymore. He had on the fig leaf, but that wasn't working very well, and he realized it. And that's kind of how our excuses sound to God anyway. They don't make any sense to us, much less to God. 
But God still responds to Adam with grace. He gives Adam another opportunity, another chance to confess his sin because he asked him, he says, well, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Now, God knew the answer. It was obvious. He was telling Adam, hey, Adam, I already know what you did. Why don't you just come clean? But that's not the path that Adam chooses. Instead, he begins the blame game. Adam points the finger right at Eve and says, This woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. Her fault. She gave it to me. It just hopped right out of my hand into my mouth. I don't know how it happened. The peer pressure was just too great. Eve doesn't fare a lot better, unfortunately. When God asks her what she had done, she tries to blame it on the serpent. Well, the serpent deceived me, pulled the wool over my eyes. I just didn't know what I was doing. Sound familiar? Well, it does because we all have done exactly the same thing. It can't possibly be our fault. Somebody else made us do it. If only I had grown up somewhere else. If only I had gone to a different school. If only if I had different friends. If only I had more money or less money. If only something was different, then things would have turned out different. No, they wouldn't. (laughs) Truly, confessing our sin means owning it. Now, there may have been influences, but the final decision is our own. To confess our sin, we have to realize our sin. We've got to be like David was when, when suddenly his eyes were opened and he recognized what a horrible mess he had made of things. Psalm 51, he writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. David prayed these words after being confronted by the prophet Nathan. You know the story. David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he murdered her husband so that he could have her as his wife. He thought he got away with it, and then he's confronted by the prophet Nathan, who tells him a little story about a man who stole a sheep when he had plenty of sheep back at home, he had flocks and flocks and more flocks of sheep, and yet he goes to this poor man and takes the one sheep that he has. And David becomes very angry and says, well, this guy ought to be punished severely for such a horrible crime. And Nathan looks at him and says, you're the man. David's recognition is what our recognition needs to be. The sin is ours. We can't blame it on anybody else. We have to own it as our own. But Adam and Eve's reaction reveals another important truth. 
one that slides by rather quickly in this passage, but it is devastatingly important to understand. Not only did Adam and Eve try to blame it on each other, not only did they try to blame it on the serpent, they try to blame it on God. Now, we would think, well, I would never do that. I would never blame my sin on God. Well, wait a minute. Look closely at this story. You may see yourself more than you want to. I know I do. Both Adam and Eve try to shift the blame to someone else, but, but ultimately that doesn't work. Ultimately, Adam realizes, you know, those weren't Eve's teeth chewing my bite. I did that. Eve recognizes the serpent didn't hand me the fruit because the serpent doesn't have any hands. <laughs> it was me. All the time they were blaming each other and blaming the serpent, they, they knew who was at fault. And ultimately, we do the same thing as we, we try to pass the blame for our sin. Uh, we blame our environment. We bl- blame our upbringing. But there's something we need to recognize. When we do that, we do what Adam and Eve did. Did you hear what Adam said when he blamed the woman? He said, the woman you put here with me. She gave me from the tree and ate it. See, Adam wasn't just blaming Eve. Adam was saying, God, it's your fault. You put her here. Why did you do that? If you just would have left things well enough alone, none of this would have happened. You put her here. And essentially, Eve does exactly the same thing. As she blames the serpent, guess who created that serpent? And in blaming the serpent, she was telling God, God, if you just would have left out the snakes, it would have been fine. Creation would have been okay with me. And none of this would happen. Both of them ultimately blame God. And that's what we do. When we start blaming Others, when we start blaming our environment, we're blaming the God who created the others. We're blaming the God who put us in the circumstances of our environment. And that's the problem with blame. When we start blaming other things for our sin, ultimately we're saying, God, why don't you put all that stuff in my life? If you just wouldn't have let all that happen, then this wouldn't have happened. God, it's your fault. In the Garden of Eden, there was only one who didn't share the blame in this story. God. Only he was not to blame. And when we try to shift the blame for our sin, ultimately we're just pointing that blame at the one place where the blame does not lie. Hunting season, deer season started this weekend. That's an exciting time for a lot of folks. My dad used to take me hunting. And this analogy doesn't come from deer hunting. It comes from 
dove hunting, which my dad also would, would take me along. And as my dad would, would teach me. Now, for those of you who don't like killing animals, just don't listen to this part of the sermon. You, you just, just read the hymnal for a minute or something. It's, it's okay. It's, it's just an illustration. That's all. Don't tell you kill little birds. It was when I was younger. Anyway, when we would go out dove hunting, uh, flocks of, of dove would fly over. We, we you out in the evening when, when they're out kind of flying, going to water. And, and so you, you'd see, you know, it could be up to, I don't know, a dozen, sometimes more that would, would be flying by. And so I just lift my shotgun and start shooting up there. And, and, the, and the birds would just laugh and they'd fly by. And so my dad would say, you can't just shoot into the flock of birds. You do that, you're not going to hit anything. You've got to pick out the one bird that you're actually aiming for, or you won't hit anything. If you don't like hunting analogies, I'll give you another one. <laughs> Although it's kind of, well, this one, if you, don't, if you like insects, you don't need to listen to this one. This is an insect story, but that usually offends fewer people. <laughs> it's like trying to shoot a fly with a shotgun. You, know, you, you see a fly on the wall, and I'm getting rid of that fly. You pull your shotgun out, you shoot. A hole blows out of the wall while the fly flies away. <laughs> when we start blaming others for our sin, when we start blaming the environment for our sin or our circumstances for our sin, it's the same thing. Not only do you not deal with the problem, you create a bigger one to confess our sin. We have to own our sin. We have to come to God like David did and say, Lord, it's me. Cleanse me from my transgression. It's mine. But there's good news. The good news that Adam and Eve could have found if they just would have listened to what God was saying to them. Because here's what God promises in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, the, the crucifixion of Christ was, was thousands of years from the time that Adam and Eve were there in the Garden of Eden. But when Jesus died on the cross, he died for their sin too. And just as all the other people in the Old Testament who found forgiveness and, and cleansing in God were looking forward to Christ, we have the extraordinary opportunity now that we know what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And if we own our sin, if we confess it to God, if we come to him recognizing what we have done and, and lay it before his throne saying, God, this is mine. He will forgive our sin. And he doesn't just forgive it. He doesn't just say, well, that's okay. Go on, live your life. No. He not only forgives our sin, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's an amazing statement. It's literally a blank check. Now, is that fair? Do we deserve that? Not in the least. 
But that's what Jesus does for us. If we own our sin, if we come to God confessing our sin, if we recognize that only the sacrifice of Christ is sufficient for our sin, He will forgive us. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. church where I grew up, Hyde Park Baptist Church in Austin, Texas, started as a relatively small church. It, it, it was a long-standing uh, church. It had been there for a, a long, long time and had not really grown much. They had not really done a lot. And, and back in their history, they, they, they had a night that from that point on, the church just began to explode. It, it, it became uh, an extraordinary uh, church that had a tremendous impact and still does on, on the air of Austin. And, and so a lot of people ask, well, how did all this happen? What was the change? You know, you just were just a small neighborhood church, and then all of a sudden you're reaching hundreds of people, thousands of people for Christ. How, how did that happen? It wasn't a revival, although they had revivals, and those were good. Nothing wrong with a revival, but that wasn't what happened. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, somebody gave the church a whole lot of money although the church has raised millions of dollars through the years for missions and other ministry projects. It wasn't uh, that they got a new building. It wasn't that they, they had some new ministry that they developed, although they have a beautiful building and they've built on that many, many times through the years. They have wonderful ministries, ministries for teaching people about the Savior, ministries for helping families to grow, ministries for, for reaching out in the community and, and helping with those in need, all kinds of... But none of that was what caused the, the church to suddenly grow. What happened was one Sunday night, The pastor concluded the message by saying, you know, if, if there's anything in your life that God doesn't want there, now's the time to let it go. And in that service, people began to just flood up to the altar. And it, it wasn't that it was this powerful you know, oratory of a, of a message. It just was simple. If there's something that you've got in your life you need to let go, just let it go. It's time to bring it to God. Let him cleanse it. Let him forgive it. And, and, and folks just began to pour out their heart before the Lord, asking for God's forgiveness, recognizing their sin, owning their sin, recognizing there's nobody else that did this. This is me. I did it. And from that day, if you look at the history of the church, you can just see God doing amazing things. One of the problems with blame is it doesn't deal with the real problem. When we blame others for our sin, we lose sight of the truth that those others that we're blaming, they have the same need that we have. We all need Christ's forgiveness and cleansing. So this week, I invite you to do something. Uh, one, if there is something you're hanging on in your life, there's something that you need to let go of, now's the time. Just let go of it. Just say, God, I don't know why I hung on to this. I don't know what. I, you know, I've been blaming it on other things. That's going to stop, Lord. Lord, this is me. I, I did this. Cleanse me from all my transgressions. And then recognize that all those folks that you've been blaming... <laughs> They desperately need this too. They desperately need the cleansing power of Christ. This week, watch for some way that you could point them 
to the forgiveness that you know in Jesus. Heavenly Father, as we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we see ourselves. Lord, this is me. Caught in my sin, trying to push it off on somebody else, and ultimately really trying to blame it on you. So, Lord, help us. Those things that we hang on to in our life that we don't need, help us to to turn away from that. And find in you the fresh forgiveness and cleansing that only Jesus can provide. And, Lord, as, as we experience that, we need to recognize everyone we know needs that too. So help us find opportunities and ways that we can point them to the forgiveness that you alone can provide. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.